This is Books of Titans, the podcast dedicated to the influences of influencers. The books that have helped shape prominent inventors, business leaders, athletes, intellectuals, scientists, and others. We'll talk about what makes these books such classics and at least attempt to have an intelligent discussion about what makes them so important and influential. Hello, this is Eric Rostad coming to you right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Today I'm going to cover About Face by Colonel David H. Hackworth with the tagline, The Odyssey of an American Warrior. This was book 32 out of 52 from my 2017 reading list. This episode will consist of three segments. The first will be a brief introduction to the book. The second will be three themes that I I saw and that stuck out to me throughout the book. And the final segment will be the one thing, my one key takeaway from the book. So on to segment one. When I read this book, I was 37 years old and am ashamed to say that I didn't know the difference between a major and a colonel or where they fell in the pecking order. I didn't know the basic divisions of groups of soldiers from squads, platoons, and brigades. I didn't know the extent of our war in Korea and how we fought not just the North Koreans, but mostly the Chinese. I didn't know very much about Vietnam when I read this, about how inadequately we were prepared for that war. I didn't know we went into Cambodia and Laos to fight the Viet Cong, and I didn't know there was a colonel named David Hackworth who was in Italy immediately after World War II, in Korea in the 1950s, in Berlin while the commies frantically built the Berlin Wall, in the depths of the bureaucracy at the Pentagon for two years, and finally as a leader of men in the Vietnam War. I also didn't know that this most decorated of U.S. soldiers went before the nation in 1971 in a televised interview to to decry the human waste and abuse of power associated with the Vietnam War. There's a lot I didn't know going into this this book, and I, I learned a lot. I, in fact, in the back of the book, I, I kind of have this as my, my main notes. I, I put the army rank structure, enlisted army ranks, um, branches of the army, the structure of, of uh, different squads, platoons, companies, how many people would be within each of those. And this is kind of my resource now. Whenever I, I have questions about that, I, I just go to the back of this book where I, where I wrote all this in. And I like doing that in my books. And, and it helps me to remember where I keep certain information that I always want to remember. And maybe it's a huge list that I can't just call up in my memory. Uh, but but uh, this, this book kind of became the, the army reference, I guess, uh, to where I'll pull this book out to, to, re- to remind myself of, of different, different things. It was written by Colonel Hackworth. He was born in 1930 in California in an area which is now Santa Monica. And he died in 2005 in Tijuana, Mexico, where he was there searching for an alternative treatment for his bladder cancer. And many thought that that bladder ca- cancer was a, a result of being exposed to Agent, Agent Orange uh, gas in, in Vietnam, uh, or chemicals in, in Vietnam. Hackworth's known for his role in the creation of a force in South Vietnam called the Tiger Force. And, and this was created to, to be a guerrilla force 
against the Viet Cong guerrilla fighters. And in, in the book, he talks it out Ging the G, so out guerrilla fighting the guerrilla fighters. So very, uh, you know, special operations type, type of, of group where they're trying to come up with new tactics and new ways to, to fight and, and not do things the, the traditional way which really embodies Hackworth. He, he was uh, someone who thought outside the box and was deeply concerned with his men, the men in, in, his, in his group. And we'll see how that plays out later, but, um, but just a very interesting man. And, and this book goes through his life. It's, it's, it's written by him. Uh, so it, it is a work of, of nonfiction, as opposed to another book that I read in 2017, Once an Eagle, which is a book of fiction. And I'll, I'll contrast the two of those later in this episode, but, um, but, but it was neat to read both of those in the same year, one being fiction and then this one being, um, being nonfiction. I, I, I think of Hackworth as kind of uh, Edward Snowden of his time because he went directly to the people through through uh, through news to to tell his side of the story and what he thought about Vietnam and it was not it was not pretty and he has this quote he said I believe that by going outside channels directly to the American people I could make these guys think and bring about change and that's kind of what Snowden did too that each each of those guys Snowden and Hackworth had a way that they could bring up concerns within the the structure but they knew if they did that it was not going to be properly heard and so both of these guys went out of that structure to to say what they they needed to say and and um it it caused a lot of problems for for hackworth to to do that even though he was a very decorated soldier this book was suggested by jocko willink and he suggested it on the tim ferris show podcast which in 2017, all of the books that I read had been suggested in the book Tools of Titans, which was a book that Tim Ferriss basically took podcast episodes from his podcast and, and just put them into a book book format. And one of the questions he asked every guest is, what is your favorite and most gifted book? And uh, Jocko Willink replied with, with this being, being one of those books. He also, I, I've, I've listened to, to uh, Jocko's podcast where he talked about this book and he had this book with him when he was in charge in Ramadi in, in Iraq in um, the mid two thousands. And he would, he would read this book. Um, I, I guess like every night type thing, just kind of pick up and, and read a little bit and just would get a lot of leadership lessons for what he was doing while in in Iraq. I read this book between August 29th and September 18th of 2017 it's uh, 833 pages, so it is a it is a huge book. It was one of the longest, uh, not quite as long as uh, Once an Eagle, but um, but but one of the longest that I read in 2017. And I estimate that it took me somewhere between 40 and 60 hours to read. And I went slow. I went I went very slow. I took a ton of notes in the back. Um, and as I mentioned before, you know, I, I would look up um, rankings and rank structure and and all that kind of thing and, and, and write it out in the back of the book as well. So all that, uh, made it, made the book take a lot of time, but, uh, it was, it was well worth the time. 
This book was released in 1989, and it has been called the most important soldier's memoir to emerge from the Vietnam era. My initial reaction was that this was an excellent book. It was a very challenging book, and it was a long book, but it, it was worth it, and it was worth it to take, take it slow and, and really take, to take it in. As for who should read this book, uh, it's, it's not for everyone, but uh, if, if you're someone who wants to learn more about Vietnam and about the U.S. Army in, in general, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, this, this is a good book. It's also an amazing leadership book. Hackworth describes a ton of principles that were forged in life and death situations. He describes good leadership that he saw and bad leadership that he saw, and then also just a lot of things that he did that were that were unique, that uh, that give a really interesting look at at leadership. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome and thanks for checking it out. I started the Books of Titans project because I needed help picking out the best books. I found out what some of the world's top performers were reading and started reading those books to the tune of 52 per year or one a week. I set my reading list a year in advance and then share it online. That creates accountability and a connection with others who are reading the same books. I want you to experience the benefits of having a yearly reading list. To that end, the Books of Titans website is stock full of resources to help you find the best books. I've also opened up the website to where you can begin sharing your reading list. This will allow, to, allow you to share it with others, write reviews, and rate each book. I have three different plans with the first one starting at just $9 per month. Your books will be placed in a visually stunning format that you can share on social media. Just go to booksoftitans.com forward slash mybooks for more details. Now back to the book. First thing that, that really stuck out, out to me in this book was the leadership principles put, put forth. And Hackworth's leadership was primarily focused on people. There were probably more leadership lessons in this book than any 10 good business books out there. Hackworth was in so many different situations of leading men, encouraging them to join his team and training them to be their best. He wasn't trying to gain market share in his leadership. He was trying to keep his men and himself alive. That focus is what led him to share his dis disillusionment of the army with the world. He could no longer keep quiet because men were not being properly prepared for war. He would, he would just drill in on the small stuff all the time. And there were, there were a number of situations where he was put in charge of a group of men who were not doing well. And he would always start with just the basics of, of uh, making sure equipment was right, that, um, that it was properly put together. Uh, he, would, he would put in orders for the right shoes if, if the men did not have the proper shoes for where they were. And it was again, just always about the, the small stuff, getting the small stuff right, because he knew that that was the matter of life and death in, in a lot of the situations. He also was a big proponent of education, and, and especially during Vietnam. He, he would go back to places like Fort Benning and would see that the, the people being trained that were about to go over to Vietnam were not being trained for what they were about to encounter. And most of the people doing the training did not have any experience from Vietnam. And what frustrated him is that a lot of the 
the higher-ups who had had Vietnam experience were back in the States, but they were working at the Pentagon or they were in career-building jobs instead of being back at places like Fort Benning where they could have trained others with, with the experience that they had in Vietnam. So if, if you're interested in leadership principles and, and you, you enjoy military history uh, or are interested in Vietnam, this, this would be a really good book for you in, in that sense because it's, it's very interesting, but then it's just stock full of, of leadership principles uh, and just throughout the book in, in a lot of different situations. Second thing that stuck out to me is uh, what is called the warrior test. And I'm going to read this because this... Uh, this was, this was amazing. Crispino, who had made Raider platoon sergeant, sat in on my sessions with these first-cut candidates, and between the two of us, it was usually easy to assess a man's mettle. For the times when it wasn't, Chris had devised a brilliant screening tactic, technique that instantly separated the men from the boys. He'd taken the powder out of a frag grenade and, f- and fired the primer cap separately. Then he'd reassembled the thing, and now, as I interviewed potential Raiders... Chris would sit there playing with this dummy grenade. Near the end of the session, if I still wasn't sure about a man, I'd give Chris a wink and he'd accidentally drop the grenade. The safety pin would fall out and we'd jump back, horror and shock on our faces. Meanwhile, studying the guy's response to this live grenade spinning around on the floor. If the volunteer froze, we knew we didn't want him. If he threw himself on the grenade, we thought he was nuts, or at least suicidal, and we didn't want him either. But if he grabbed the thing and threw it out of the tent, or if he cut a tail trail out of the place himself, we knew we had a, he had good sense. He, had a, he was a cool ombre and real raider material. And that's the end of the quote. What they're doing here is they're trying to, to get a group for what are called the raiders, but, but these, they, they need the top guys for this group. And they would put them through a lot of training and all sorts of things to, to find, find out... Um, if these guys had what it took, if they had the, if they had the right stuff, but they needed something else. They needed, they needed to trigger the person's unconscious. Uh, perhaps the, the person could, could fake training. They could, you know, maybe they could just, they had high pain tolerance or, or they were, they were exceptionally strong and they could get through the training and they could get through some of the other things, but they needed to see what would happen when the person was maybe not at their best and, and was just confronted with something where the only response would have to come from that person's unconscious. And so they did this fake grenade test where they drop the grenade on the ground and see how the person was, would respond. And it reminds me uh, of a, of a guy I used to work with who um, he was in a ministry position. So for him, it was very important to see how people he hired would act around other people and in in the following sort of situation so this person as he was looking for people to to join his team he would take them to a a gas station or, or or a restaurant and he would have the person go up and and pay for the gas or or buy some food or or something like that and then he would watch and see how that person treated the the gas station attendant or or the waitress or the waiter and see if that person truly cared about people and would then kind of make the decision of 
that in combination with other things, make the decision if this was the right person for, for the position. And I like that. I, I like this idea of a warrior test or, or, or some kind of a test that, that triggers the unconscious of a person to, to get a, a insight that, that can't be faked. And especially if you're, if you're hiring people or you're trying to find pe- the right person for an organization or some sort of a position of, of trying to incorporate some sort of a warrior test, uh, obviously not dropping a, a, a fake grenade, but, but something like that, being creative in, in, in trying to, to see if you can tap into to something that, that might not come out regularly. That might involve getting them out of uh, a comfortable situation. Maybe instead of doing an interview in an office setting, um, taking a walk or, or going bowling or, or, or just doing something that's out of the ordinary to, to see people in, in a different circumstance. The final thing that stuck out to me was, was the contrast of this book with Once an Eagle. Once an Eagle was written, written by Anton Meyer. And as I mentioned before, that was a work of fiction, but it was very similar to this book in that we follow a person through a lot of the main wars in the 20th century. What's interesting is that the books were came out um, in, in uh, roughly the same time period, and Hackworth actually talks about Once an Eagle in this book and relates characters in Once an Eagle to the real-life people that he's talking about in this book. So that, that gave the book a unique feel and uh, was, was interesting, especially having read both of the books during 2017. I liked Once an Eagle better. That ended up being my second favorite book of the entire year for 2017, whereas About Face was, was my ninth favorite book. And with Once an Eagle, I, I, I think he was just able to, to go into stories in a different way. And this ties in with something I've mentioned in a lot of episodes, and that's the difference between story and happening truth, which came up in The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien. I, I talk about this all the time, and, and there was a neat, this is the very first thing you come across in this book, which is the author's note. And he talks about exactly that, this, this difference between happening and story truth. So I, I just want to read this, this first part of, uh, of the book. War stories present two problems to authors striving for the truth. First of all, if you live long enough to tell them and have enough of an audience to practice telling them to through the years, war stories become just that, stories. Just as time distances the storyteller from the events themselves, so do the repeated tellings. Gradually, the stories are embellished in places, honed down in others until they are perfect tales, even if they bear little resemblance to what actually happened. Yet the storyteller is completely unaware of how far he may have strayed from the facts. Those countless tellings have made the stories the truth. The second problem with war stories is that they have their genesis in the fog of war. In battle, your perception is often only as wide as your battle sights. Five participants in the same action, fighting side by side, will often tell entirely different stories of what happened, even within hours of the fight. The story each man tells might be virtually unrecognizable to the others, but that does not make it any less true. And again, just 
the story truth versus happening truth. And the way Tim O'Brien talks about it in the things they carried is story truth uh, or happening truth might be this general ordered this group of men to do this. They came across this river, attacked this group, uh, 500 dead on this side, 600 dead on this side. Uh, the end. That's the, the story or the happening truth. And the story truth would be perhaps from one of those soldiers' points of view. And like we just heard from Hackworth here, he might have a different point of view from the guy standing right next to him in that same battle. But what's more true? And I thought Hackworth did a great job of, of, of discussing that um, in, in the opening part here, right in the author's note. Now on to segment three and the one thing, my one key takeaway from this book. There have been a few of the Books of Titans books where there's not some nice little takeaway or something I can implement in my life and as a, as a way to tr- hopefully make things things better. This is one of those books that, uh, that had me ponder something and I, I still think about it. I, I still ponder it and, and it's my... My one key takeaway from this book, but it's it's an uncomfortable one, and it may be uncomfortable for for the rest of my life. But I think that's the power in reading these books is it is it makes you think about these things. And and the one thing from this book is the question of what comes first, the mission or people. Hackworth gives this scenario. If, if a soldier gets hurt and is laying in the middle of the battlefield and you have the choice of sending men to complete the mission or sending men to help that wounded soldier in the middle of the battlefield at the potential risk of their lives but then also the mission, what comes first? And I think that's an important question for for you and me, what, what would you do in that situation? What would come first with the, with the person or would the mission come first? And Hackworth always said the mission came first. Because he said that, he could not visit his soldiers who were wounded in the hospital. It was too much for him because he knew that his decision had led to that man in the hospital and in some situations had led to, to their deaths. I want to read one paragraph where he, he gets into this. He, he breaks his rule. I felt guilty about Dennis getting, getting hit, particular, particularly because I had been, it had been a bad mission but also because of the flap we'd had just before. My hot head and stinging words had probably caused him to move recklessly, and I actually felt so bad about it that the next day I broke my private rule and went to the hospital to see him. I always went out of my way to avoid hospital visits. I just couldn't stand seeing what I, as a result of my direct orders, was responsible for. Dennis would be okay. His wound would be very serious, though, destined to get him all the way back to Walter Reed and nearly costing him his leg. 
But I didn't believe, nor would I ever, that a commander can send his men into battle day after day, then review the results and still remain sane. You always did your best to preserve the lives and limbs of your men, but the mission had to come first. Visions of broken bodies and amputated limbs, past or potential, would eventually paralyze you. And besides, what do you say to the boy whose world has been ruined by your orders? Only empty words of comfort. He knows as well as you do that the next day you will send someone else out in his place. It's the end of the quote. Oh man, just a, a difficult a difficult thing to to think about, a difficult thing to consider and, and such a hard paragraph to read there of of breaking his rule to see this soldier out of out of guilt but knowing that he couldn't do that on a regular basis because he would go insane and just that question of what comes first the mission or the people and that's not to say that the people were not of utmost importance to Hackworth and you see that throughout the rest of the book. He did everything he could to prepare his men for the battle. But when it came battle time, it was mission first. So that might have some ramifications for you in your life of, of what do you, how do you view things, how do you prepare people in that. But, um, but for me, it just it, it, it left that question in my mind. And it, it's an uncomfortable question. It's... It's something I wonder about a lot of, of how would I have behaved in a, in a war? How would I have behaved if I had gone to Iraq or Af- Afghanistan? Would I have, ha- have had what it, what it takes to, to be a soldier? And, and I, d- I don't know. But I, I do know that there would just be a ton of these kind of situations and questions that would, that would come up. So uh, to recap, this is an excellent book, uh, a great, just historically, you you will learn a lot. As I mentioned, I I knew very little going into it and and learned a lot just about a lot of the different conflicts, uh, whether that was World War II, Korean War, uh, the Cold War period, um, Vietnam, uh, learned a lot. But uh, it was also neat seeing it from from this one man's point of view to see him go through different leadership challenges learning new new skills learning um how to lead men in different situations whether it's more of a traditional warfare or guerrilla warfare going against leadership um confronting generals and ultimately taking to the airwaves to to say what he had seen of the horrors of Vietnam and how leadership was not preparing men correctly for the battle and that leadership was leading men to their slaughter. It's a difficult book. It's a, it's a heavy book, but it's an important book. And between this and, and Once an Eagle, I, I liked Once an Eagle better but if you can read both of them, I would, I would read both of them as they, they complement each other well. And uh, they're, they hit on that, uh, that pendulum of story versus happening truth.
That's going to do it for this episode. Before I sign off, just a reminder that you can now share your own reading list on the Books of Titans website by going to booksoftitans.com forward slash mybooks. You can also follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter at Books of Titans. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast and find all of our past episodes through iTunes, the Android Marketplace, or your podcast manager of choice. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate it on, on iTunes. That helps it show up higher and, uh, and makes it possible for other people to find this episode as well and these, this podcast. We'll be back next week with another book. And until then, keep reading, keep learning, keep listening. I'm out.